everybody, welcome back to the College Football Uncensored Podcast, brought to you by Texas Pete. Downset sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com, enter promo code Saturday Down South to take 20% off your orders for any other sauce or apparel. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me, as always, is my co-host, colleague, and friend. Oh, I got all three. Marler. What's amazing to me is that it took you this long to say anything that complimentary about um, you us being ready on the same show. It. You weren't ready for it. You, you, were, you were in a sad state. Now you're recovered. I wasn't in a sad state. I feel like the only reason you said it, though, is because you're on cloud nine since we just interviewed Danny Cannell. It's possible. We've got a loaded show this, this week. Uh, we've got two interviews in this episode. We've got the aforementioned Danny Canal and ESPN's own Kirk Herbstreet. Um, ESPN didn't give us a, a lot of time with him, so we yeah. are going to feature his segment when we preview Kentucky and Georgia. Yeah, it was um, it was still a fun interview. It was also yeah, it was great. awkward because um, <laughs> usually the way that's like just like you know a little peel behind uh, the curtain here, or peek behind the curtain. Usually the peel way that's handled is like a, a pee. I love my curtains, dude. Um, <laughs> usually the way that happens is like like their you know handler, PR person, whatever calls you and then says, "Hey, I have so and so," and they link the calls together. So I answered. I was like, "Hello," like. Very casual. Right. I forgot Just, about that. Part. Hello, yo. Did, did you see? Did, I was watching the replay back then. Like I was like fidgeting so much after that because I was like, oh my god, I just threw this whole he goes, thing. yeah, because he was like, uh, hey, it's Kirk. Right after like three seconds of silence, and I was like, yeah, of course it is. It's all goods. Um, yeah. And then also just enjoy that we we brought back two minute drill, um, and maybe it was just because I've been off my game. We haven't done it in a while, but you know, usually I like to pride myself in making funny relatable jokes to make our guests laugh and what i did this time was ask him uh mostly things he had no idea about <laughs> like dan orlovsky's food takes it was so it it'll be fun it'll be a lot of fun hope you'll enjoy it um and he definitely broke down uh you know georgia and stuff like that in the in the 10 minutes that we had that being said we need to get into this week's action which i'm sure you're gonna say is not that great no actually so I was listening to something today and and they were measuring the most exciting weekends of college football ever what, in the last 25 years. A clapometer so, like say by the bell? No, it's more of a measure of like ranked matchups, how close the games were, all that yeah. kind of stuff. And this was like top three in the last 25 years this past weekend. So it will be tough to top. Okay, let me say something about that real quick. It wasn't great for you. I get it. It was great for me. It was, I mean, so we, I mean, we were super busy with work, like, but again, and this is not me trying to be a dick and I'm sure people won't believe that, but I kind of felt like I took it in stride, like, because of the fact that it's the regular season. This is the 12th time in 14 years under seven, they've had a loss in the regular season. They still won national titles before and you know, whatever. But I thought about this, 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 uh, and you know how, like, I think I tweeted today, my toxic trait is that. I like to go into arguments and debates by researching the info with actual stats and factual information, um, sure. which is going to shock you that uh, that is often not reciprocated, uh, whether it's sports or my ex or whatever. Okay. So are you saying I wasn't prepared? No, not at all. What I'm saying okay. is, you know, how my least favorite comment from fans is the rent free thing. Oh. Now all that kind of stuff. No, you said it was your favorite. I yes. Thought. SDS. We set a new record for traffic on Sunday for the site. Um, nice. Yeah. And, uh, and we beat our four previous highs, which I found out were all Bama losses. <laughs> Kick six, 
Bama Ole Miss, Bama Auburn 2017, and some other I don't one. know how the kick six is in the top. It, this beat that. This also wow. had 12.2 million views, uh, or, or what do you call it, um, viewers. I, was, I need to look it up from Unnecessary Roughness. They tweeted it. But 12.2 million viewers, which was, I think, three times what the Bama-Florida game was. And that was the previous high for this season, dating back to, like, I think Bama LSU 2019. Um, wow. And then Reddit posted something as well, saying I think it was six of the top ten highest traffic threads they've ever had in Reddit CFB were all after Bama losses. So the next time someone says rent free to me <laughs> after this, the entire country celebrates, um, I guess, Indigenous Day is what it's called now. And Bama losses, just a little fun fact for you. That's big. Well, hey, congrats to the website. I don't um, run the website, Tyler. I do the social media. I didn't do anything. So shut up. Speaking of legendary numbers, whoop, whoop. how about legendary flavors? Like Texas Pete Hot Sauce has all of the sauces and seasonings you need to make your food the real MVP. Try Texas Pete Hot Sauce. That's good. Yeah. Just try seasoning. Texas Buffalo. Pete Dust. Texas Pete Dust. Buffalo wing sauce. Green pepper sauce, barbecue sauce, any of it. It's all the best. Game day grub or any day grub deserves some Texas Pete. Obviously, you guys know TexasPete.com. Go to recipes. Get some apparel. Get some Texas Pete apparel. Texas yeah. Pete needs to send us some apparel, by the way. Maybe we'll go on the website, TexasPete.com. We'll type in the promo code, Saturday Good. Night South. Obviously, we'll take 20% off our order. Kind of feel like we should get me and you maybe... 40 Tyler, percent, something like that you think that i don't already have a shit ton of texas pete swag you're out of your mind and not even when we just started doing the promos i just love texas pete i mean it's honestly it's, it's probably been my best friend in middle school i mean i didn't have any but like it was the only th it was the only thing that sat with me at lunch was texas pete is that sad downset sauce like you mean it <laughs> uh <laughs> everybody texaspeat.com all right so let's get into a recurring segment now I don't know that the segment even applies. It applied the first time that we had this. Because I was still sad. Because you were so sad. But now the sadness is declining, which I'm happy for. Seems like it. But who is sadder than Marler this week, Chris? It's the LSU medical team. They've they've oh, had wow. it's been a busy, busy last few weeks. Honestly, LSU any administration person at all. Yeah. Anybody that really is in or around LSU. Yeah. Um, been a busy few weeks for the medical staff for sure. Also, this we talked about last week with the coach O um getting prank called. Come on, man. Come on, come on, man. Mm. And then um vaguely fish threatening bowls. fish. Yes, exactly. You nailed it. Um then this week he got into it with another media member, and it's like a, a, a respected media member, you know, that's been in like local media there for a long time. And I don't know how like maybe we've just all been or I've been wrong about Coach O for this long. But did you see the interview when he got upset about somebody asking him a question about his job status? And he said, you trying to get another quote out of me? No, I didn't was, see this. So Coach O, he gets asked a question. I think it was, I forgot who, I think it might have been Jocks who said, and he said, he's like, says something about like the job security, like vaguely references it before he gets into the, the, his actual question. Coach O cuts him off and immediately just very aggressively, like you could tell trying to be like an alpha and intimidate this dude. Um, and he says, are you trying to get another quote out of me? And I was like, what does that mean? Another quote. This guy like misquote him because that happens all the time in AL.com and me by accident. Um, no, he was referring to the sissy blue shirt thing. And he was apparently a quote upset. that he said. 
out loud on camera to a fan mm-hmm. walking like and this is yeah. this is where I have the issue like the lack of a self-awareness that if you are literally built like a grizzly bear and you sound like a grizzly bear and you are out in public walking into a stadium as the head coach of a major university and you yell to a fan because you have that little focus on like walking in head down laser focus all that kind of shit I don't maybe maybe it has been bad I can't wait for them to replace him with Lane Kiffin, though. That's a. <laughs> well, I will say, you know, what? You know he, he feels that he feels the walls closing in. And just as many of us act out a bit when we feel the walls closing in, mm-hmm. that's what he's doing over the last few weeks. And I feel like when when they lost to UCLA, I don't know if it was told to him directly or he just knew, but that was the beginning of the end for him, even though it's oh, yeah. only been one year removed from a championship at that point. That was the beginning of the end, and he knew it after that game, and that's why I think he's just – he feels the walls closing in, man, and he's acting out in a big way. This, and listen, I, you know, yeah. I think that's true, and I still like – it's it's unbelievably impressive what he was able to do there in his very short time because I think he's, he's going to be gone. But um, LSU fans, administration, whatever, I, I just – from the outside looking in, I'm, I'm going to give you a little therapy help here. Do you guys not hear yourselves say – well, we got to get rid of Coach O because he's been underwhelming at times. And on top of that, the way he acts, the way he's done like in, a, you know, in his personal life, like cheating on his wife and, and these pictures coming out with a co-ed and all these things that he's, he's said, uh, you know, made us look bad, like out in public, you know, whether it's like in the press or social media. So you, if you hear yourself say all those things and then the first person you bring up is, so we should get Lane Kiffin. Um, I'm mad at Coach O because he had these pictures with a hot blonde show up and him in bed. We got to get Kiffin. Yeah, Kevin's like a be- he's just like a better coach version of yeah. Edo. In shape, in shape non-bear version. What would he be? What kind of animal would he be? Probably Timon. Would you say he's in shape though? He's got he's got like every frat dude in college like their sophomore year before they got fat, like where they were getting skinny fat. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's that's lame. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Um but that's not the only reason that LSU's sad. So this week is, was announced Eli Ricks out for the year, which is bad in itself. But then you start to look back at, I just took a look at the injury report for the Florida yeah. game. Uh, Derek Stingley, out an indefinite amount of time. I'm fairly confident he won't be coming back this season. No, he's his heart's still in it. Andre Anthony, out for the year. Their best receiver, Keishon Boutte. That sucks. Out for the year. Also leads the nation in touchdown catches got some stats for that later the top pass rusher d end ali gay out this week you've got your two top corners out let's see one of your other corners major burns oh out this week well i mean but they don't need those guys because they have a good running game right which ranks 127th in the country like also your starter out for the year for academics so i guess the medical team doesn't have to yeah yeah take all the heat i just honestly man and again like, cause I, I love, like, I love that whole environment. I love the atmosphere. It's, it's been one of the most fun places I've gone to. It honestly probably is what made me not sad anymore. Thanks a lot, Mickey and the craps table. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's just, I, I don't want to dance like on their potential grave yet, but I just, we'll just get right into the games this weekend and start with that one. There's just so much yeah. about this game that I hate and I don't hate it for LSU. I hate it for their fans though. Cause it's such a passionate fan base. And the fact that anytime you have a game in death Valley at 11 a.m. That's unacceptable. And you expect it like, like, well, maybe this is going to be a game. Especially when you're playing Florida. Right. Um, 
like you would expect it if it's like, oh yeah, maybe they're playing McNeese State and they're gonna wear those stupid purple uniforms or something. It's 11 a.m. We can you know go take a nap afterwards and then go get ready for Fred's that night. This is their. I, I was told this several times a couple weeks ago that like this is the team they hate most is Florida and their fans is mm. they hate, yeah like well at least their fans maybe like they hate, Join they hate their fans most. Join me. <laughs> the dark side um and and you know again like several people said that and this is a been a a fun rivalry for a long time i mean this this i remember one of the underrated first, rivalry yeah it, we talked about the 2007 game the you know the fourth downs like the throwing the shoe last year um the 2019 game joe burrow's interception and, and there was especially with having to reschedule those couple of games because like the hurricanes in 2015 and all that kind of stuff were they had some really close games. They had like the fan bases started bickering back and forth, which I know will shock you with Florida social media. Um, but I remember even back, like, you know, one of the first big time upsets I ever watched, like start to finish like this 97 LSU at home, which they were terrible, but not that year, like per se, but like that decade, they yeah. were awful. Right. And they beat number one Florida, um, you know, the year they're coming off a national championship. A lot of good games in this series. I don't expect this one to be, um, but let's let's get into it. Uh, number twenty, Florida at LSU, twelve p.m. Eastern time, eleven a.m. Central on ESPN. LSU, an eleven point underdog at home, over under fifty nine. Uh, obviously, a, a revenge game for the shoe game last year. Uh, interesting times in that game. Orgeron needs this one in the worst way. Uh, although, as we've talked about on the podcast the last few weeks, maybe too late. He's got four years left on the contract. I don't know if he's going to see another one. Um, Money's already collected, and the fact that this is his like seventeenth, you know, like back against the wall game for like (laughs) fighting for his job. Like, good lord! So last week, uh, another back to the wall game. They got beat badly by Kentucky. They were outgained for the third straight game, and for the fourth time in six outings this season, they didn't score against Kentucky until midway through the third quarter last week. How many of those yards Uh, were gained after that? If when Kentucky just didn't care anymore because they were up right. by so much. Yeah. And they rushed uh, 330 yards against them. We just spoke about the injuries. Things not going well for LSU right now. Um, their run defense, not great. It's not horrible, but Florida has one of the best running games in the country. They rank third in the nation with 274 rushing yards per game. Kentucky ran for 330 on LSU last week. Mm-hmm. Um. Florida had a, a little bit of a get-right game last week against Vandy. I guess everybody's get-right uh, game is Vandy. They yeah. won 42-0. Weirdly enough, despite Vandy controlling the ball, they had the, the ball for more than 36 minutes in that game, which Man, I just saw today. Because they were just trying to help out and rest Florida's players. Vandy is like that fat woman in the back of church that like where like if you if your parents died or something like that, you had to sit with her. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Maybe right. it's a very southern thing. But like if, yeah. if you ever gotten a like a hug. Like getting a hug from like a, like a, a fat widow at church is like the most, it's like diving into a waterbed or like a bunch of pillows. It's like the night, it just, everything goes away. It's so nice. That's what Vandy is. Um, sure. Florida goes into this game. And I'd say this all the time, but Mullen is kind of like, he, he has that bit to him, like, like lame where he's a big enough asshole. Like he'll make this hurt. Right. And it, yeah. there's already a huge yeah. mismatch. Um, you, you talked about the Keishon Butte thing from earlier. I went back and looked at the numbers because, he, he leads the leads the country in touchdowns this year, right? Um, and we talked about dating back to last season, his last two games of the year, he had four touchdowns in, in his last two games against Ole Miss and, and Florida. 
So looking at these numbers, man, I got back in my little deep dives. No more butt stuff. I know that. No more butt stuff. That's for sure. LSU's offense has scored a total of 27 touchdowns. In, and I'm not including the Kentucky game because he was injured in that one, right? But in the seven games, the five from this season before that and the last two from last year, so the last seven games going to Kentucky, 27 total touchdowns. Uh, 22 of them were passing touchdowns. Kayshawn Butte was responsible for 13 of them. 13. Wow. Um, against FBS teams, they scored 16 total touchdowns and 14 total pass touchdowns. He had 10 of them. This man was responsible for over 70% of their passing touchdowns against the FBS teams they played in like the last, I mean, they're in trouble. Yeah. Oh, big trouble. And you would think maybe this is like a, Hey, let's rally the troops type game, but I don't think that the LSU players are, I don't think they have it in them right now. Um, the only thing that I think is going for LSU is that they're six, three and one against the spread as a home underdog since 2010. So there is that, but I just feel like everything about this game is drawing me towards like a 20 plus point blowout. Yeah. Cocho's last week. We are no longer speaking about Cocho as LSU Coach O on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I'm still not sold on that necessarily, just because there's not a, a experienced person on staff. But somebody brought this up today. I think it was one team, one podcast. Um, and it's a really good point. That, that's you know, like I talked to Jay Boy about this yesterday, and and he um he actually brought up the fact that like some of the rumors he's heard is Cristobal. They obviously want Kiffin. He's like number one, probably one through three. But Cristobal's name has obviously come up as well. Like, what's worse, though? What's worse, a, a interim head coach or a lame duck head coach for the rest of the year? Especially when you have to still play A&M. And, and, like, I don't think they realize how much they pissed off teams two years ago. By just blowing everybody out? And, like, and then rubbing their faces in it. Like, right. and that just, I'm not saying that just about Bama. Like, what they did at AM was, <laughs> was like embarrassing as shit. It was like 50 to seven. And I understand yeah, that, why. That was insane. Their own revenge for that. But I mean, you know, it's like that quote from Superbad. like, people don't forget. <laughs> and I think that people are, are going to take advantage of that, especially in this league where it is like a very dog eat dog world. And it, yeah. these coaches, the, you know, the life expectancy for these are like for these coaches, it's like, maybe shorter than NFL running backs now. And, and so you have to take advantage of every opportunity. Um, anyway, I, I think Florida wins. I think they win big. So before we move to the next game, um, I've made the butt stuff joke and my wife is in the kitchen and I hear a commotion. I don't know if you saw me look off screen and yeah, you've been giggling uh, she, she popped over and she was like, she pointed to her butt. She was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, it's just an inside joke, babe. It's Johnson to Boutte. Come on. Yeah. Anyways. I have nothing appropriate to say, so let's move on. <laughs> I'll never forget the joke you made uh, on our Conner? last pod. <laughs> no, on our last pod about Jimbo uh, requesting for better facilities after losing to BC. That I was fantastic. I, I wish I didn't offer up what I thought the joke was in hindsight. Um, okay, let's move to Auburn at number 17, Arkansas. Also, 12 p.m. Eastern time on CBS. Arkansas, a three-and-a-half-point favorite, over under 53-and-a-half. Another revenge game, Chris. Uh, this yeah. one, actual real revenge game after the controversial ending last year, um, which was just an insane set of events there to end that game last year. Obviously, they lost on the uh, final play. Arkansas did last week as well as the year as the game last year. 
Uh, Arkansas coming off two straight losses. So still ranked number 17 and still got to feel, be feeling pretty good about the season. But um, last week it was all about the offense being incredible. I, I don't know how much it was the Ole Miss defense, but they set a school record for yards in an SEC game last yeah. weekend with 676. KJ Jefferson, six total touchdowns. Kendall Browse, I'm a big fan of his. He, he's got the offense rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, As just a coordinator. The, yeah. The defense <laughs> um, has all sorts of issues right now. They've given up 89 points in their last two games, uh, which is more than it gave up in its first four games combined. Mm-hmm. They gave up 324 rushing yards last week to, to Ole Miss, which is not great. Well, they, I mean, they have a good rushing offense, but still. Yeah. Uh, they're seven and two against the spread in their last nine at home, though, which is which is good for them. Uh, their last six wins have all come by double digits. Mm-hmm. If we go to the Auburn side, their offense. It turns out when you're not playing like FCS schools and yeah. Georgia State, that your offense isn't scoring sixty points a game. Um, in fact, against Penn State, LSU, and Georgia, they averaged eighteen points in those three games. Um, now, they actually had a chance against Georgia to score more than that. They had two first-half drives that ended inside the 10 with only three points combined in those two drives. Um, so, But their offense has kind of slowed down after a hot start. Their defense has been pretty good, though. Uh, PFF ranked, has them ranked as the seventh-best ba- defense in the country. Yeah. Um, well, their top 20, how, okay. Yeah, their top 20 against the run in the past. For me, for Auburn to get a win they're going to need their offense to not Hold they're on. going to need to step up. Hold on. PFF has them ranked as the seventh best defense in the country. Are we like doing any, any kind of effort to back up any of our fucking arguments at this point, the seventh best defense in the country. I mean, the argument has to be made by PFF, not me. I just read it. No, no. Fuck you, Tyler. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but like, I, I don't know, but like what well, I, We'll look into right. it. I don't think they're point. the I don't think they're the actual seven. They're, they're top twenty against the run in the pass. I know that. Oh, so not top PFF. seven though. Okay, yeah. That no, they sense. are top seven total. But they're just to PFF. off of no metric or stat, just that that's their ranking. Who also said Spencer Rattler is the best quarterback in the country. Anyway, regardless, it doesn't matter. I think they do have a good they have a good defense. I think this is gonna be a, a really good matchup for them. Um I don't want to be doom and gloom for Arkansas. I think this is like a really, really big game. Like, we're, like all the focus is on Georgia and Kentucky because they're both undefeated, and, and you know Kentucky deserves to get that just as much as anyone in the country. Honestly, it, probably more. Um, they're like the new Arkansas at this point, and, and so which is kind of unfair because they've been really good the whole time. But like, there's two games in the conference that I think we're not talking nearly enough about. And it's this one. And then Tennessee and Ole Miss. And I think those are two games yes. where it matters so much how the rest of the season goes based on this Saturday. And this is, I'm not saying if you lose, the season's a failure, but there are, it's, we're halfway through October. It's tough to get back up off the mat for like, if Arkansas or Auburn loses this game, right? And one of them will, I'm pretty, pretty confident. You still got to play Bama. You sure. I mean, I don't know. You know me. Like I say stuff sometimes. Maybe I'm wrong. I wouldn't be confident in that. We didn't land on the moon. Um, you still got to play Bama at the very least. You're going to have to go play. Um, one of us have to play A&M. It, the schedule doesn't necessarily get much easier the rest of the way, right? That No one's really coasting except for Georgia. That's because they're better than everyone else. So I think 
this is a huge, huge game. And honestly, the, the, the perk here for Arkansas is the fact that like, we talked about how difficult it is to get back up emotionally after the Texas win. And then you, you still come out the next week and you cover the spread. You look really good. Then, you know, you, you beat an A&M team where you're like the underdog. Um, I'm sorry, I'm missing this up, but you beat A&M and then you go into the Georgia game and you get waxed. Right. Yeah. Auburn's coming off that same exact thing. They didn't, they didn't look nearly as inept offensively as Arkansas did. I don't think they were ever in that game. Their fans will tell you differently that I was mm-hmm. never, the, the outcome of that game was never in doubt in my opinion right. at all. Um, it, two defenses like where I, well, one of them is apparently ranked seventh and the other one is, is really struggling giving up 89 points per game. I, we said this a couple of weeks ago that like Arkansas, this stretch they were going to be going into where they weren't necessarily going to be favored. This isn't Texas, right? Like these are, these are SEC teams and it's SEC competition and, it's a revenge game, sure, but you also think about it. They had a lot of opportunities to not blow that fucking lead last year. It should right. have never gotten to the point of Bo Nix not understanding how to spike a football. Good point. I hope it comes down to the same exact thing. Uh, <laughs> um, Auburn has done their damage on offense against weaker defenses this year. Yeah. Um, I will say. This is a you're right. This is a big game, not only for what you you discuss, but for these two coaches, because I think I get well, let's take the Georgia State game out of it, which you really can't. But I think Auburn fans were feeling good about Harson after, you know, the first couple games where they're putting up 60 points and then they go up to Penn State and put up a really good effort. Now things are waning a little bit after the Georgia game, the Georgia State game. Um, you lose this game. Maybe the fans aren't as bought in. Same thing for Arkansas, though. It's like, oh, yeah, we had a great start to the season. I disagree with that. And then it's like, okay, well, then it's like we don't score against Georgia, and then we lose to Auburn, and then we lose to Ole Miss. It might not. It's not the same, probably, because I I do think Arkansas is the better team, and I'm picking them to win the game. Um, But I think it's a big game for both coaches in this matchup. Yeah. Um, I do think the game goes over the total of 53-and-a-half. Mm-hmm. Um, both teams are going to be able to run the ball in this game. Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter going up against the 99th rated run defense yeah. is going to be a problem for Arkansas. But the hook on this game is what scares me. Three, three and, and a half. half. Yeah. From four and a half. Yeah. I don't like the three and a half. I'm going to take Arkansas to win. Our, Auburn's four and one against the spread in the last five against Arkansas. They're six and three against the spread in their last nine on the road against Arkansas. So I do like them to cover by a half point the hook. 30 to 27, Arkansas wins, Auburn covers. All right, so here's the deal. I think, um, like, like Barrett Slee, and, and I talked about this today, he picked Auburn, and I, I kind of like that pick. I really liked it at four and a half because I think this will be a close game. Um, it's ironic as shit that Bo Nix came out. We talked about the lack of self-awareness Coach O had. This guy's the runner-up for this week, talking, complaining about the refs from a week ago because Auburn's never really caught a break. Um, right. And <laughs> it's going into this game, you know, like – uh, it's just, it's, it's hilarious that, that would be brought up. I think that the key to this game is one, Barry Odom better get his shit together and that defense with Mike White, Mante Teo. I mean, even Catalan didn't look great at times uh, last week. And so, and the week before, really. So I, I think you have, wait, did they play last week? Am I just making that up? Who? Arkansas. Yeah, they played Ole Miss. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I'm gonna think about it. Okay. So you, you come in and kind of licking your wound, you've given up all these points. I think it's so much easier to, to if you're Arkansas, to like justify where you're at in the season in a form of confidence. 
you didn't score against against Georgia. Well, Georgia's the best team in the country, and they have the best defense in the last decade, maybe ever. Then you talk about Ole Miss, where you lose a a shootout, but you could have easily won if you would have called a better play on on what do you call it? Uh, going for two. If you go to overtime, you might win that game. I don't know, but you also give a lot of points to the best, one of the best offenses in the country, and the best offense in the SEC. Right? If you're Auburn, you're looking at another road game with fucking Bo Nix at quarterback. <laughs> for real, and you're, you're talking about yeah. two games in a row where where Tank Bigsby has had 19 carries for 55 yards. He's been held under 30 yards against LSU and Georgia, so it's like both ends of the spectrum. Right. I I want to pick Auburn just to jinx him, but I'm not going to. I'm going to pick Arkansas, and I think that the reason why is the reason I always bring up of why I love talking Arkansas on social media or, or talking with their fans. These fans are are not in any place where they're like, well, the season's over now. We fucking lost to. You know, Ole Miss know, on the road and Georgia up. road. Yeah, and even if they lost this game, I think they would be. They're very loyal. They're in a much better place with Pittman. I think Pittman gets the jukebox turned back on. I think Brian Harson shows up in his damn bedazzled coal jeans, and they leave with a very close loss, and, and Arkansas wins. All right. Um, let's move over to Knoxville. Number 13, Ole Miss at Tennessee. This is the night game on SEC Network, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Tennessee, three-point underdog at home, over under 82. That's awesome. Which is awesome. Um, there's a reason for that. Ole Miss, they're putting up 46.2 points per game, which ranks fourth in the FBS, while Tennessee is averaging not that much less, 41.5, which is seventh in the FBS. Um, both these teams are the top two in pl- at plays per minute. Yeah. So these offenses go at a breakneck speed. They put up a lot of points, which who would have thought you would have said that about Tennessee this year? Um, they've done a great job of of maybe being a little bit earlier on track than they probably expected. Well, not um, maybe, definitely. I mean, you you nailed it last yeah. week saying he was he should be the leader for the coach of the year. Yeah. Um, Tennessee, the last two weeks, eighty three first half points. In two weeks. To put that in perspective, going That's putting away the game, game before the game is even to halftime. 28-0 and 28-3. And one of those games, you're an underdog. No so, one's ever blown a 28-3 lead, ever, I don't think. Why so are you fucking doing this? <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, like, like, there's no way to look at this Tennessee team and not have it not look impressive, in my opinion. All yeah. the players you lost, Hypo coming in. Um, and I guess, you know, again, Vegas was right. They're 4-2. They're and two. I think they should have been ranked. It's a it's a fucking joke. The fact that they had, they had zero votes in the, um, I think in the AP poll and they had only eight in the coaches poll. Uh, so they were basically like ranked 36th. This is another thing I'm, I'm really excited for And I, I thought I would never say this about Tennessee fans. Um, but you know, it's been a while. They've been dormant for a while. This is going to be a game, especially at night. You're going to see Nealon back to being Nealon and it's going to yeah, be a fucking raucous environment and crowd. And I mean, you're going to see a lot of, People that shouldn't be wearing overalls with nothing under it, but they still will be wearing overalls with nothing sure. under it. Um, I, I just, and I love just the game on its surface. They'd be going crazy. The fact that it's Lane Kiffin coming back to another stadium, part. right? Yeah, and it's, it's going to so, be wild. And when's the last time Tennessee's had a team with these kind of like? I don't think Ole Miss is like a world beater, but they're a top fifteen team, and you're only a three point underdog. Like, yeah. there's so there's so much juice to this game. But I love the fact that you brought up the, the 80, was it 84 or 86 points? 
Oh, yeah, in the first 83, first half points in the last two weeks. So before that, before they scored 28, I guess this, this is two weeks ago. So this is through the first four weeks of the season. Alabama led the country in um, first quarter points and first quarter uh, point differential. It was they were outscoring opponents 70 to three. By the midway point of the of the first quarter of, of that Tennessee game, they had become the leader in that category. And then, you know, just put their foot on the gas and, and kept going after that because they ended up scoring another 42 points in the next, I guess, week. So, and also we talked so much about Matt Corral. How about Hendon Hooker? Oh, it's a totally different offense with him at QB. Tyon Evans, who's, who's been great for like, you know, a couple of games. Um, I think, right? Because like he's had a hundred yeah. around 120 yards per game, but a couple of them have been on big runs, and he's done most of his damage early on. Mm-hmm. But Hinden Hooker is a guy we're not talking nearly enough about. Like, like Matt Corral will get most of the pub for this game. But you look at numbers, just flat out just stats. Tristan Smith, shout out to him for posting a couple of these. Hinden Hooker leads the SEC in in passer rating. He has a higher uh, completion percentage than than Matt Corral. Um, I have it written down somewhere and I can't find it now. But like it, it's a guy that he actually has Heisman odds currently, which is something I never thought we would say. Um, and if I didn't use three notebooks for one podcast, I'd probably be able to find these stats. So that being said, I think that I, I know that I'm overreacting, like not being a prisoner of the moment, but a prisoner of the thought of the moment. I'm going to take Tennessee. Mm, wow. And I'm going to hate it. Um, yeah. But I'm going to take Tennessee to win outright. My God. Yeah. I think that fans in general, but even fans in the SEC, aren't really paying attention to what Tennessee has been doing lately. At all. Um, And I also think that we were probably, as a collective group, a little preemptive to say that, hey, you know what? Ole Miss's defense is getting better. I never said that, Um, yeah. They were at home last week and gave up 676 yards of offense to Arkansas. 39 first downs. Now they go on the road to Tennessee. 39. 39 first downs to an Arkansas Arkansas team who did not score the week before. Well, I mean, I'm not going to. That's a tough argument because I get it. I get it. That's like saying unranked A&M. It's just like, okay, sure, sure, on paper. But the fact that like 39 is that's that's an absurd number of first downs. But you could argue that they're the reason that KJ Jefferson, KJ Jefferson is one of the final eight semifinalists for the Davey O'Brien award. Right. Because of that game last week, I think. And I'm not hating on KJ Jefferson, but I I don't know if he's a top eight quarterback in the country. Regardless of all that, the defense has been shit. DJ Durkin probably wrestling. Tennessee's defense, honestly, it hasn't been great, but it's, it's better than Ole Miss's. Mm -hmm. And, um, Hey, look, Night game at Tennessee, crowd will be electric, Lane Kiffin factor. I also am taking Tennessee out, right? Oh, damn it. I know, which means it's not going to happen now. 42-38, Corral has been great at not turning the ball over after he was a little poor at that last year. I think the turnover bug hits him in this game because the the crowd is a factor. Tennessee makes him pay on the turnovers. 42-38, Tennessee over Ole Miss. Both just picked it. I want to say one more thing and piggyback off that. And since I told you guys I got in the rabbit hole and do the deep dives and you can hear the papers turning back here, Matt Corral, this is brought up a couple weeks ago and the numbers aren't that crazy in terms of his completion percentage is 
passer rating is like it's like 30 points less on the road versus at home, but completion percentage, um, yards per game necessarily, like nothing crazy there. So he's still efficient, which is which is good. But when you talk about an offense that's gonna have to you have to score to win football games, right? And this is an offense where he ha- he has thrived in, especially scoring. You brought up this week, he's got 20 total touchdowns, no interceptions. That's incredible. Yep. Um, only five games that he's done that in, by the way. His numbers on the road, and you could say they're skewed because he threw 11 interceptions in two games, but they were both on the road. Looking at just this season, he has it, it's, it's three games to two games, right? So it's not like some dr- a very drastic difference. He has 10 touchdowns at home uh, passing. He has two on the road hmm. or at a neutral site. That is kind of wild. Um, yeah. Then he has 16 total. Uh, I'm sorry. He has 16 total touchdowns on the road and only four. Um, or oh, Dang it, Chris. 16 total touchdowns at home, four on the road. Yeah. So you're talking about a quarter of the production from that standpoint. What are you laughing at? Because I messed up the stats. I, I'm not even laughing. You know what? The audience can't see you, but God can, Tyler. <laughs> now I um that's all i have to say about about the uh that game all right let's get to the big sec matchup of the week and then we will um track down the rest of the country to see yeah because there are other teams that are very much in the playoff race like alabama that we haven't talked about yet and you said to danny that we always talk about them too much and we open up about uh every you really, yeah I saw. I've, I figured you might have took offense to that. I saw that. I'll never fucking forget it. <laughs> so you want to talk to them before we get into this game? It's up to you, Tyler. I have some stats. Okay, let's do it. Alabama, right. Mississippi State. Here's my prediction. I don't even need stats. Okay, that's rude. Saban's going to have that team pissed off, mm-hmm. ready to go. I don't care what the spread is, Bama covers. Just found the Hinton Hooker stats, so this is I am hitting on all cylinders. <laughs> so let's go back to Tennessee right, Ole Miss. <laughs> rewind real quick. Um, no, but also real quick though, the fact that he has 13 touchdowns and one interception, that's a really big oh, he's deal. been great. Yeah. Um, I think he has 17 total, or he has 16 total, which is also impressive. Um, we'll get into that another time. But so here's the thing with Alabama, Mississippi State. I I, I saw this stat the other day, and I'm gonna dig through these, what do you call it? Not archives, but um the the notebooks here to try to find this number. I don't think anyone's really expecting Bama to lose this game um, or struggle with Mississippi State. Mississippi State has been great. They are coming off a bye week. They've had extra time to prepare, coming off a win at AM, so they can put that in their uh, cap because um, Bama didn't have that. Bama fans, I'm sure, think they're going to win like a thousand to nothing. Um, but here's what I'll say I got into a conversation with. Uh, a buddy of mine, Josh Deal, he's a listener, and he's a great dude. He was bringing up like some really good points about, you know, why Bama's struggling, why like you know there's concern there, and and one of the reasons was they lost to this unranked team, and I get that, but again, we talk about this Danny Canal. One reason the sky is not Which you falling, will hear later. Yes, one reason the sky is not falling in Tuscaloosa. And I just want everyone to remember this: they're going to give up a lot of yards this weekend. They're going to give up a lot of passing yards, and a secondary that has struggled at times. Um, they're not going to give up a lot of rushing yards because they, they don't run the football. Mike Leach has an extra week to prepare. They probably got a little bit of confidence. Will Rogers leads the SEC in most numbers, you know, from a passing standpoint because of the nature of the offense. Bama's defense is not as bad as everyone is pretending it is. There are definite concerns. Being able to gash them up the middle, being able to run the football. Um, but at the same time, 
I think that's what Lane Kiffin thought he was going to be able to do. And what we saw him do last week against Arkansas, right? Um, Cause that would, that's the blueprint that, that Florida gave everyone regardless of all that, just coming off of a loss. This, these are Bama's numbers coming off a loss in the regular season. So everyone that is, this is not trying to defend Bama, but this is going to tell you what's probably going to happen this weekend. And maybe you guys pump the brakes on dancing on the grave just yet. Cause if they lose a the game, it's not going to be this weekend. In the last 11 years, so dating back to 2010, they've had nine losses in the regular season. Um, the next game they played, they're 8-1 and one overall, 8-0 and in the regular season games. The only loss was after the kick six, six when they lost to Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl. Um, and again, these are just regular season losses, not like in the playoff or any of that kind of shit. So they're 8-1 and one in the nine games. The average margin of victory is 21.5 points per game. Hmm. Uh, they're also after a loss in those years, 35 and four the rest of the way. Um, and two of the four losses came in the same year in 2010. Um, they won a national championship in four of those. They finished undefeated in four of the, uh, of the seven, I think, or four of the, four of the eight years they had a loss. Um, the sky's not falling. Calm the fuck down. Pete Golding's not missing tackles. Stop fucking blaming people just because you don't want to like you want to be lazy and, and have and have takes. Pete Golding's not the problem. What's the problem? I mean, the, the refs, honestly, I mean, they're not, they're not, <laughs> not fair. Um, no, I mean, like, I get it. They're not as, Jeremy Pruitt's a better defensive coordinator than Pete Golding. Kirby Smart is probably a better defensive coordinator. Or I'll say he is a better defensive coordinator than Pete Golding. Let's not also forget that the last two years that Kirby was there, you gave up over 600 yards and 40 points to Auburn, like you know, in a revenge game after the kick six that the, his exit interview was against fucking Deshaun Watson. They were losing in the fourth quarter. They had to do a fucking onside kick to take the lead of the momentum. So let's stop misremembering things. I still think this team is going to lose by at least 14 points to Georgia, but can we just argue with fucking facts for the love of God? I like facts. I need too. So you got him covering this weekend then? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Me too. Uh, number 11, Kentucky at number one, Georgia Yes. in Athens side of game day, 3 30 PM on CBS UGA currently a 22 and a half point favorite over under 44 and a half. That is so I hate, I hate Vegas for this every week. Yeah. All right. Georgia's a 27 point favorite over under is 28 and a half. Like what? <laughs> yeah. Kentucky off to their best start since 1950. Six and oh. They've never won a division title. This is their chance. They can win this game. Georgia playing as the number one team in the country for the first time since 1982. Which is, it's kind of funny because, like, when I first heard that stat, I was like, no, they were ranked number one in the country in 2017. Kirby's second year. Like, what, what is that? Now, um, they were number one in the playoff rankings, which is the only ones that matter. Those are the ones that get you into the playoff. Uh, sure. they were, Bama was still ranked number one in the AP. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Um, but still, like an awesome time to be a Georgia yeah. fan. Like We talked about this last week, like, the fans starting to gain confidence. And now you have another big game against like, a top 15 opponent yeah, in top, Sanford. Almost top 10 opponent, really. I don't know why they're not in the top 10. Um, like, I don't know if they should be the top 10 per se, but they should have fucking absolutely been in the top 25 earlier than last week. 
Yes, absolutely. Ridiculous. Um, you go to Sanford, you have game day going there for the second time in three weeks. Yeah, a lot of people not not happy about that. Yeah, why is that? Where do you know. want him to go? There, there, someone is always unhappy about something, Chris. You just go like that in life. Always. Um, yeah, Kentucky coming into the season, there was a lot of ma- a lot made about the offensive changes, uh, bringing in offensive coordinator Liam Cohen, Will Levis, our boy Wandell Robinson, Wandell Rosenthal from LSU, uh, and and really, honestly, offensively, they've had mixed results on the season. Mainly because of Levis. Uh, yeah, he. They combined for 36 points against Florida and South Carolina. Total. Now they won both games. So honestly, we've just, a lot of people have moved past that, but um, then they turned around and last week they put up 42 on LSU, which Mm -hmm. is another reason why I feel like LSU is in big trouble against Florida. Um, They ran for 330 yards against LSU last week. They scored a touchdown every time they were in the red zone. Against LSU. Against LSU. Yeah. Now, the rest of the season, eh, just okay on offense. Now, the defense has been the story for Kentucky, not surprising under Mark Stoops, but they've been really south this year. Um, they should be up to the task, I would think, against Georgia's offense. Who Why do you we, think that? We assume will be led by the mailman. Jason Good. That's in Bennett IV. It, like, Georgia is – they're winning in the most obnoxious, arrogant way possible. It's like – Listen, we have five stars everywhere. We they're hurt. A lot of them are hurt right now. And we're just gonna beat you with Lad McConkey. We're gonna beat you with two fucking white kids, like like Dan Marley and and John Stockton. For some reason, are playing on the same team in NBA jams, and they're gonna like, somehow beat MJ and Shaq. Like, w- what is happening right now? These dudes are should be Fiji's at Georgia, not like probably are. touched against Auburn. <laughs> scoring touchdowns against Auburn. Um, I've been on the record that I think Georgia needs JT Daniels back in the saddle to win a championship. He would Kirk get hurt by the Street, saddle for sure. Kirk Herbstreit thinks the opposite, um, mm-hmm. which you'll see in a minute. Um, but this is another game where I don't think it matters who's under center because UGA just put up 34 points on Auburn with Stetson Bennett and Lyle McConkie leading the way. I feel what like Auburn saying it like that. Stetson Bennett's been good this season. I just, I guess I'm jaded by last season when they went into big games with him, i.e. Alabama, and uh-huh. things did not go well. Now I get it. They lost the, the best team in the country that won a national championship um, out on the road with him. That's, that's so you sure. think that they're better with, uh, with Stetson Bennett than JT Daniels? I'm going to say this, as, and I'm going to say it as the person that was like very early on said his, his own quarterback to a tongue of Iloa was soft. JT Daniels is fucking soft. And and I don't care how that sounds. Well, it's like crazy. I, I don't two have, never won a championship. So I guess JT probably could. Two didn't win a championship. He actually beat Georgia to win a championship. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Just because he's oh. soft doesn't mean he's not the better option. I overreacted. Um, I don't think he is a better option. I really don't. Like I think the sample size we have, I think Georgia fans kind of blamed Stetson Bennett last year for they they had a ton of injuries. They lose to Florida. They lose to Bama. I still think they could have won that game against Bama. I said it last year after the game. I thought they were going to have a rematch. There's a lot of reasons why last year didn't go great for Georgia. Um, but being able to come in, like, especially when we always make the joke, you know, the backup quarterback's the most popular person on the team. Being able to come into that game or the end of that season with Stetson Bennett already having to play Florida, who was a really good offense, and Alabama, who had they blew out fucking everybody last year. And they played him when Waddle was healthy. 
it's easy to blame the 5'11 quarterback that weighs like 170 pounds and has curly hair and looks like if, I don't know, Corey from, uh, from Boy Meets World was anorexic. Like, it's very easy to blame that guy. Very good reference. Yeah. But what I'll say is this. At this point of the season, when you're halfway through, and JT Daniels is definitely more physically talented, right? A, a thousand percent. Kirk Herbstreit actually says he thinks he, he doesn't have as good of an arm, which is interesting. But he is the more talented physical like quarterback. You have the best defense in the country. You might have the best defense of all time, as the Athletic wrote earlier this week. I want the guy that's going to go fucking play. Like I want, I want Zach Calzada over Bryce Young last week. I want the guy that's going to like looks like he was folded in half and then wants to come back out of the medical tent, sprinting out and go back on the field. Like because I don't need, I don't need a game changer at quarterback at all. There's nothing that's happened this season, and there's really nothing that's happened in the scope of college football at least this year that makes me think, oh man, we might be in trouble if we play so and so outside of the SEC at all. I, I think there's a confidence that Kirby has in this team. They are very, very dominant and they're actually really good on offense. We don't give them enough credit for. I want the guy that's going to be out of the fucking medical tent. It's like my, my college baseball coach used to always say, like, you can't make the club from the tub, dude. I, you know, and I get like, you want to exacerbate the situation. But when you come in off the tail end of last year, it's like that stupid stepdad from Liar Liars, like great gift, dad. And he comes in the tail. I'm not making a good example. It's just going to get weird at all <laughs> but jt daniels played lesser competition at the end of the year and jim carrey's a better father than him i i am starting to feel that jt daniels might be a little soft i don't know the injuries so i can't say it with 100 confidence i do think stetson bennett does bring that extra thing i but i just think that jt daniels is a if you want to beat the best teams in the country i wouldn't say that that UGA has played that. any any of those teams yet. Has JT Daniels beat the best teams in the country? I haven't seen him play them either. Uh, I've seen Stetson Bennett play against two really against good Cincinnati teams last year. In his own backyard, and he looked very average. He's put up a lot of yards. I also saw Stetson Bennett play against Florida and Alabama last year, and you those are two. Either those teams I, are as good as last year? I, I would say that those two would qualify as good teams, and it you was a disaster for Last year they played? No. No, no I don't. But do I think JT Daniels would have given them a better shot in those games? Absolutely. Oh, retroactively, we could definitely talk about Georgia winning a national title because that's not what it's like the opposite of what the fans do and saying, like, this is our year. We can definitely say it should have been their year if he played. It's very easy to do that because he played Mizzou, he played Mississippi State. Like, Mississippi State was not a good football team last year. They beat him by seven at home. Mm -hmm. Like, the best competition they played was Cincinnati, and he looked not great. And you, you had to hit a 52 yard field, whatever. I mean, like he's a better physical, like physically talented quarterback than JT or than Setson Bennett. I'm going to go with the one that's been fucking playing the whole time. And I'm also going to go with the guy that was had enough like moxie and confidence to not do what in this day and age, I'm going to sound old for a second, do what every other fucking person at his position, especially has done, which is someone hurt my feelings. I'm going to leave. Like, like I'm the fourth string quarterback now. Cause you brought in Brock Vandergriff. He's another five star. You brought in, it's Carson Beck. He looks like, like when Marv was a skeleton, when he got electrocuted in home Alone two, very good reference. Like he's, he's the only one that wasn't recruited heavily by Georgia. He's the one that was blamed for everything last year from the fan base. He was fourth string this year and he's the one winning you fucking games. Well, I mean, the defense is, but like, right. think about that. Think about like in this day and age, the level of confidence you have to have in yourself to do that. Fuck JT Daniels, excuse my language, but like the keep keep sets in and, and ride it until the fucking wheels fall off. Should not have said F JT Daniels. I didn't mean that. 
All right. Well, I thought Kentucky was very fortunate to get a win over Florida because their offense looked terrible in that game. Now they face the Georgia defense that is first in yards per play allowed and first in explosive plays allowed. Um, the the team total for Kentucky is 11. No way, really? So their defense needs to come to play. They've been able to get that done recently on defense. Um, they have the third best. Even against defense. Georgia uh, in the last six matchups, um, four of them UGA scored 27 or less. But it's 27 against this defense. That's a that's an easy win. Right. Um, I've got 35-13, which I think technically would be a cover by Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's never going to be close. Um, I just think that's the defense different. for Georgia allows them to be basically do whatever they want on offense. I mean, run mm-hmm. the ball 50 times like they did against who was that team a couple weeks ago. Like they just never threw the ball. Who? Georgia. I can't remember. It's two weeks ago. Vanderbilt? It's two weeks ago. Arkansas? Yeah. That, how many did you throw it 13 yeah. times in that game? Yeah, I mean, that's fine. The, I, I see it similar here. Like, the, you can do whatever. When your defense is this good, I don't think there's like a lot of thinking about like, we need to throw like this, this, and this. It's just like, hey, let's Todd, just you got to really get after this week, brother. You got you to gotta be watching some extra tape on this team. Yeah. Let's score 20 points. I think we can get away with a victory here. Um, um so, I would agree anyways, with that. I, I got I got Kentucky, like maybe like a late backdoor cover, but it's never going to be close. Thirty five, thirteen. All right. So I hate the fact that we're not going to give Kentucky more credit because they absolutely deserve that. Um, yeah. However, I will just plug the other podcast right now and say that our boy Adam Stockton, who is a big time fan of uh, not us or me per se, but definitely reminding me every single time he can on social media that I I thought that they would not win over seven games on our yeah, preview well, yeah. pod. Um, yeah, yeah, we did a bad job. I was, I was in a really good emotional headspace, I think, in, like for researching and doing a lot of like work going into that. And also looking at a sample size of the last 40 years where they hadn't been able to win seven games, I'm, I'm disappointed in myself for not seeing this coming. That being said, shout out to Connor and Will because Connor's put up a boatload of content this week from his visit there last week. He got to uh, hang out with Liam Cohen. He's, he's been fantastic, right? And if, if somehow Kentucky wins this game, I guarantee they oh, still won't God. get the credit they deserve for no reason. No, they definitely will. No, there's no way. We'll still we'll still think they're an afterthought. We'll still predict them to lose to somebody. Like if they beat like, Georgia in Athens, I think they're gonna be they're gonna vault up to a top three team. They won't. They, there's no way. I, they they should, and they're a very good football team. I'm just saying the way that we talk about Kentucky, it's like this narrative. Yeah, no, I made, get it. Right. Yeah. No, um, no, no, no doubt. But that being said, so. You know, there's a lot of good Kentucky content on there. I'm not going to spend as much time on that because they've been really impressive. Wondell Robinson's been great. Will Levis has been very up and down, had a great game last week in LSU. When you look at like that win to get to 6 and 0, I mean, hats off to him because none of us thought they would get to 6 and 0, right? Like with that schedule, especially. You've got playmakers. Chris Rodriguez leads the SEC in, in total carries to, or total rush yards, total um, rushing yards per game. He's like, He's been great. Just picked up exactly where he left off last year. Um, had a monster game against LSU, I believe. Like, you know, he's been able to catch the ball out of the backfield. I, I love the fact they had 200-yard rushers last week with, with uh, Kavase Smoke finally getting in the mix. And, and Wandale Robinson is legitimately a top five receiver in the country. He is. And, and he's, he's been – I don't know where this offense would necessarily be without him. But here's the thing. 
I think this game doesn't come down to any of those players. Doesn't come down to Chris Rodriguez. Doesn't come down to Kavasi Smoke. Not Wondell Robinson. I think it comes down to to Will Levis, and that worries me. And the reason I don't think it comes down to those guys, even though they are game breakers in almost every other matchup this season, right? Georgia's rush defense is top five in everything. They're basically number like number one in almost everything, also in pass defense. Um, so we talk about you know rushing offense. Kentucky's 24th in the country. They're 97th in passing offense, which is fine because they're still putting up a lot of yards and points. They're 122nd in total plays. I don't see that necessarily improving against this defense, um, especially no. since they are third. They're 29th in yards per play, over six and a half yards per play on offense, which is really good. Um, putting up 31 points per game. All that's fine. And it's a, a marked improvement from last year. We all know, and we've talked to Nazim about how great Georgia's defense is, and the stats are incredible, and, and I would love to talk about most of them. But I'm going to give you this instead. Here are the leading rushing, the, the leading rusher stats against Georgia this season. I'm not going to give you the names, just the leading rusher for each team against Georgia. Clemson, one carry, 10 yards. Uh, UAB, 13 carries, 61 yards. South Carolina, five carries, 31 yards. Vandy, eight for 41. Arkansas, six for 28. Auburn, 10 for 28. You can say maybe they should have given them more carries. I don't think that's the, the no. formula for beating this Georgia team. I'm a math guy. The averages aren't great. Yeah, not at all. Um, here's some notable players against Georgia's defense, okay? From this season alone, Justin Ross, projected first-round talent. Four receptions, 26 total yards, going up against a true freshman coming off an ACL tear. His longest catch was for 12 yards. Kevin Harris, the returning leading rusher uh, in the SEC, 16 carries, 31 yards. KJ Jefferson, we just talked about him. He's a semifinalist for the Davey O'Brien Award. Eight for 13 for 65 yards. Um, who is he thrown to? Traylon Burks, the best receiver in the SEC, one of the best in the country. Has lit up a lot of teams this year. Three receptions for 10 yards. Tank Bigsby, 10 carries for 28 yards. These are legitimate pro prospects that are going to be potential first-round players and at the very least are possibly the best like in, in, their, in their conference and or the country. Georgia has absolutely taken them away in every sense of the word. The only thing that gives me hope for Kentucky this game is the fact that Wondell Robinson, maybe he has a couple big plays. We saw it with, with Josh Van from uh, South Carolina. He had three receptions for 128 yards. Um, kid from, uh, was it Nagata from, uh, ten, from Clemson had six receptions for 110 yards in the first game of the season. Outside of that, I don't see a lot of ways for success for this Kentucky team. And the last stat I'll give you, cause I got so many of them from our good buddy, Graham coffee, Georgia's defense has faced 186 dropbacks from a quarterback this season. They're getting pressure on 58.6 of those dropbacks, 58.6. And outside of the Clemson game, I haven't seen a blitz. Will Levis, when pressured in 2021, 45 attempts or 45 dropbacks, he's 12 of 29, which is 41%, for 121 total yards, zero touchdowns, and 10 sacks. I love Kentucky. I love their fans. I love the story. This is just going to be another step, like, you know, as Georgia climbs towards another or towards a national championship. And I think, you know, talking about being at home, for a 3.30 game, you have more time to drink, unlike that Arkansas game. This is going to be a fucking bloodbath. I agree. And if you don't believe us, 
we've got a great interview for you. Yeah. That wasn't necessarily meant to be just about this game, but it turned, kind of turned into it yeah. um, with a little bit of um, two-minute drill at the end. Here is Kirk Herbstreet to break this game down a little bit more. All right. We are now joined by um, a recurring guest, actually, uh, from the old pod and, and a good friend and a, a pretty notable name, Kirk Herbstreet. How are you, man? I'm great. How you guys doing? Good. Tyler's just nodding very nervously over here. We're, we're very excited that you've joined us here. Um, we, we do know that you just got off of a, uh, an incredible weekend in Dallas, um, the Red River Shootout, and an incredible game with Oklahoma and Texas. You're also joining us on behalf of Goodyear. Uh, so before we get into any questions about football, tell us a little bit about your partnership with Goodyear and Waze. Yeah, yeah. It's a um, relationship that I've had for a number of years. Goodyear is kind of synonymous with college football. You think about the Goodyear blimp over these stadiums all the time at the bigger games. Um, and so I've worked with them, and every year they come up with a new way to be involved with the game. And with COVID a year ago, and a lot of the fans not in the stadiums, there's a kind of a newfound confidence and a newfound, I guess, euphoria about getting out and traveling and, and, and following your team. And so Goodyear has teamed up with Waze, and uh, I actually use Waze myself, so it's ironic that they asked me to, to be a voice on that to help you with your directions. But we're hoping that people will, uh, number one, you can do a couple of different things. Number one, you can use a Goodyear blimp as an icon to kind of help you navigate where you are when you're traveling to a, to a game. Uh, and then you can also use my voice, which is bizarre for me. I, 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 I'm still debating on whether or not I'm voice. Uh, in ways my wife's been using it with my son but um, you can also use my voice to help you get to the stadium so it's just a way for Goodyear to, to reach out to fans with through ways and, and get in the vehicle and uh, and just have some fun with uh, fans as they travel these stadiums all over the country Awesome, man. Um, hey, you guys are going to be on the road this weekend in Athens for the big matchup of the two undefeated programs in the SEC, Georgia and Kentucky. What's the blueprint for not only Kentucky to try to, to beat Georgia, but really anyone uh, to take down Georgia this year? I mean, their defense has been elite, one of the best we've seen in years. In my opinion, they're going to need Daniels to be in there to win the championship. Stetson's look good, but I think Daniels takes them to the next level. What's your opinion on that and, and how someone could take down Georgia this year? You know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know about that, that statement. Um, I, I think if, if you're just watching JT Daniels and Stetson Bennett and you just look at their pedigree and their background, it's easy to fall in love with JT Daniels. I mean, he, he can spin it. He looks like, you know, an NFL quarterback. He looks the way you're supposed to look, and, and there's nothing against him at all. But there's something about Stetson Bennett that the mobility, um, the chip on his shoulder, he's got actually, believe it or not, a stronger arm than JT Daniels. And the one thing about him that you hope with more playing time he, he goes away is he, he, he has a tendency to want to make a play. So he's, he puts the ball in the cup more. But other than that, he's got command of the offense. I think he's a nice little wrinkle because I mentioned the, the mobility. Um, but I don't know. that, that it's, it's, I talked to JT a week ago about this injury, and it's like one day he warms it up and he's good to go. The next day he warms it up and it's just he can't do it. And so 
I don't know. It's a very similar injury to Dak Prescott. And if you guys remember in Hard Knocks, they, they basically shut him down for like three weeks, didn't throw a ball. That was the only way he recovered. And I don't know if they're going to do that with JT Daniels. I don't. I just don't know what the, the plan is. But I know up to up to this past week, it was like a day to day thing. Um, maybe they'll try to shut him down and get him ready for the bigger games down the road. But in the meantime, I I kind of like Stetson Bennett and his energy and his vibe. And uh, how do you beat this team? Well, they've got so many Gosh. injuries at once. You know, you got to stack up against their run game. Hope you create some turnovers. Hope you get a short field. If you're if you're starting your drives at your own twenty, your own twenty five, you're going to lose the game because you're not going to run the ball. They keep two high safeties, so you're not going to hit explosives downfield. It's just a a dominant defense. You know, every once in a while we have an Alabama or a Georgia defense or somebody out there LSU that just is they're just better than everybody they play. And right now that's Georgia. So if Georgia stays healthy, the only way you beat them, like I said, is you got to shut their run game down, hope to create turnovers, and give your own offense a short field. If you can't do that, then you're just not going to beat them this year. Kirk, I'll be honest, that's, uh, we're, we're two lifelong residents of uh, the state of Georgia, and neither one of us uh, pull for that school. So that's not the answer we wanted, because I think we're going to have to move out of this state if they end up winning a national championship, because they are going to lose their minds. Wow. Who, um, who, who, are your, who are your teams? Who's your team? So Tyler went to FSU. Um, I am in the 85%. I grew up uh, an Alabama fan, but, um, but did not go to Alabama, of course, just like most of the fans. Um, so, yeah, we're just, you know, we're just fingers crossed this is not the year, but it, it definitely feels like it is. Yeah. And think about this, man. They're like six receivers down. Yeah. The, the, you know, they're, still, they're still pretty effective uh, offensively. Now, when they get – if Alabama runs the table – and they get there with one loss. Obviously, Bryce Young, his group of talent of, of receivers and running backs, um, that's, a different, that's a different animal than what they're playing right now. And even Florida that's running true. the football with the quarterback, the quarterback run game, you know, that, that's a bit of an equalizer. Um, so I'm not saying they're just going to walk to a national championship at all, but I think the way you're going to have to try to beat them is Either have the manpower to match up in the trenches, which very few will, um, or you gotta you gotta win that turnover margin and, and you gotta get a short field to play with. Yeah, that's true. Well, that makes us feel better because I really don't want the move. So um we know we're uh, we're a little bit crunched for time. So we're gonna get you out of here on a game we actually played last time. We actually only get to play half of it though. We're gonna play two minute drill. Uh we're gonna put two minutes on the clock and give you ten rapid fire questions, probably maybe 10 or 12. We'll see how we go. Um, and there's definitely going to be a score we're keeping up with. So you are competing not only against your old score, which I did not write down, but we'll, we'll just make up. Um, but also uh, the other, other guests in the podcast. So are you ready to go? Yeah. Do it. All right. First question. What is more stiff Georgia's defense against the run or Marty Smith's hair? Uh, I got to go with Marty Smith's hair there. I mean, that's, that's unparalleled. Yeah. Very good answer. Very good answer. Um, last time we were on here, we, we asked you what your go-to karaoke song was. You said you are not a big fan of karaoke, but you are a Kenny Chesney guy. What's your bucket list concert now? I went to a Luke Bryant concert um, about a month and a half ago. 
and actually he's such a, a by the way you, you might not like this but he is a a huge huge Georgia uh, fan Georgia Bulldog so <laughs> yeah. you, you guys probably, you're probably not, not not fans of his um, but yeah I went I went to, uh, to that's the first concert I've been to in a long time but um, right. yeah enjoyed immensely he's a good guy yeah um, I like that I like that answer even though he's a Georgia fan that's fine um, what's your go-to order at Chick-fil-A um, I like the spicy chicken sandwich with the waffle fries. That's a good answer. That, that's, that, that, I like a little bit of kick uh, with the chicken. Love it. You know, listen, you would have had some bonus points if you had a little pepper jack cheese. Just a, just a uh, note yeah. for next time. That's good, right. though. That's, that's my order as well. Okay. okay. Um, all right. Halloween's coming up. So scarier monster, uh, Michael Myers from Halloween, Freddy Krueger, or that creepy inflatable thing at Nebraska home games? Oh my gosh, Little Red! You don't like him? Yeah, no, he's so he's so <laughs> I creepy. Love I love him. He's a character. He is. It is creepy though. He, yeah. he is a. He, you you got to Google him and watch some of the maneuvers that he does. He is. Uh, yeah. A, Phenomenal dancer. School. Yeah, 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 for sure. But uh, I'm not a scary movie guy. Just for the record, my wife is. My kids are. I'm not. I'm. I'm a. I'm a scaredy cat. So I. I avoid scare these scary movies. I had to live through the Kick Six. So I'm the same way. I, I'm. I'm. I'm done with those days. So um, okay, we got. We got three more here. Um, listen, we. We never want to get political, but we're going to ask you: Should the government defund UConn football? Yeah, I think it's that, about that time. I think we. Need to <laughs> yeah. It's long overdue, they're, they're, right? Basketball is coming up soon, so they. They should shut her down like for a while. That's fair. Um, okay, what's faster, Ole Miss's offense or Bear Felica telling you his favorite gambling picks for Saturday? Um, I'll go with Bear. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think he's 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 got a little bit more urgency to him, believe it or not, which is tough to do against Matt Corral. But I, I would say Bear. Good point. I like that. Um, okay. Last two here. Uh, what was worse, Bama's play calling in the red zone last week or literally any of Dan Orlovsky's opinions about food? I don't, I've never heard his opinion <laughs> about food at Man. all. So I will have to I'm go glad I brought that, that up then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, last two here. Uh, buy or sell, Las Vegas Raiders interim head coach Ed Orgeron. Um, I will pass. I have no, idea. <laughs> <laughs> probably for the best, probably for the best. All right. Last question here. Who's going to have a longer career. I know you're big Reds fans. Who, who had a longer career, Joey Votto in Cincinnati or Hunter Renfro at Clemson? Who had a longer career. That's right. I mean, Hunter yeah. Renfro seemed like he's seven years. So, um, and by the way, if you're an Alabama fan, how many times did you see him go up against Minka and, and somehow win the one on one Every time. It was not. Yeah. I don't know why to bring not. it up, Kirk. But, I mean, to be honest, but yeah, I definitely yeah. do remember that. <laughs> yeah. I will, I will have to go with Hunter. He, he it feels like he's still playing there. Yeah. That's a very, really good point. All right. Let's add these up real quick. Um, I mean, that's a score of 69 out of 75. That's a very nice score, Kirk. That's, that's fantastic. You are the leader in the clubhouse. Awesome. Wow. I'm, I'm honored. <laughs> I appreciate that. 
Well, we appreciate you joining us. Um, we're going to try to go uh, still remain, uh, I guess, finish out the rest of this season. Hopefully George doesn't win a natty, but thank you again for coming on and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you soon, man. Of course. Yeah. Long season. Remember, there's a long way to go. We'll see. Things, things change in a blink of an eye, as you guys know. So good luck to your teams the rest of the way. All right. So that was Kirk Herbstreit. We appreciate him for joining us. Uh, fantastic uh, opportunity for us to get to interview him. Great uh, interview. So Can obviously he... Real quick. I don't, he's like with his, you, by the way. He likes Stetson. He's, he also he's likes Stetson. Luke Bryan, which made me uncomfortable. I, didn't, I, didn't, that was, I said bucket list concert. I saw Luke Bryan like eight times at Capital City in fucking Milledgeville. I kind of feel like he didn't put a lot of effort into that that's answer. Fair. Yeah. That's um, not, not the interview per se, but the answer. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's get into the best bets of the weekend before we finish the episode with another fantastic interview with uh, CBS Sports and SiriusXM, Danny Cannell. Um, I'll just I'll just say it right now, Chris. Uh, TCU Ooh. against Oklahoma. Oklahoma's in a letdown spot. After coming off that crazy game last week, TCU okay. coming off a blowout win over Texas Tech, Oklahoma got lit up on the ground by B. John Robinson. You remember Zach Evans? Oh, the problem the, child running back? Yes, the number one yeah. running back. coming. He plays for TCU. He's one of the best in the country. Um, mm -hmm. He's going to do some damage on the ground. TCU's defense sucks, but so does Oklahoma. They've yet to beat a Power 5 team by more than a touchdown. So That's I think crazy. the spread's like, depending on where you're looking, 11.5 to 13. Where's it at? I'll take TCU. Uh, I believe I think it's OU. Have they played a fucking game on the road besides the neutral neutral site? Wherever it is, I like TCU. I like that. Uh, Mi uh, Michigan State minus four at Indiana. Indiana's Ooh. not very good. They might not have their starting quarterback. Michigan State is one of the best running backs in the country. Their D-line will eat in this game. It's a weird line, which scares me a bit. That worries me, yeah. Yes, but I like Michigan State, minus four at Indiana. And then Pitt, minus five at VT. I know you hate the five, Chris. I do, but I love Pitt. They're coming off a bye week. Their offense has quietly been one of the better ones in the country. Mm -hmm. um, there's a an advanced stat called EPA that's basically a, a catch-all statistic that measures I get it, yeah. like, the expected points at the start of a play versus the end of a play on that drive. Uh, they're number four in that category. Right. Virginia Tech, 98th. Hey, so we're just making up metrics. Uh, then on opposite side of the ball, defense, 13th for Pitt, 52nd for VT. So it's a weird number again. It's on the road, I guess, but Pitt minus five at VT. Those are my best bets. Do you have any, also, Chris? Or? Yeah, I do, actually. So, um, right. and real quick, like just from like a, you talk about Pitt. Yeah. Like, we've, We've I, we're not a pit pod by any means. No, we might um, be. Well, I don't know if them. I don't know if that's ever gonna be the case. Pit pod. But uh, Kenny Pickett. How about the fact that this kid has 19 touchdowns and one interception? Nobody's talking about him. I I don't know why. I mean, yeah. he's he's been in the league for about 10 years now. So pit pod. Right. So um, love that. Uh, I'm kind of surprised you didn't pick this one. BC at home against NC State. They're an underdog. They're four and one. NC State's been. They beat Clemson, um, but they're on the I road. I do love that pick, by the way. Right? It's a, I, feel, I feel like that's a really good pick. I'm interested to see what happens here with Oklahoma State on the road against Texas because Texas is going to have a situation where you're, you have to pick yourselves back up after the Oklahoma loss, a devastating loss, right? You're playing against Oklahoma State, who is ranked 12th, but RJ Young has them at three. Yeah. And, and they're weirdly, they have like not a good offense and a really good defense. So let's discuss this for a second. This is why I lost my fucking mind with RJ Young because of the fact that they were third in the country 
in his in his ranking or in his rankings. But I think that this is probably the first time everyone listening right now, and including us, it's it's almost like um like when you walk into Walmart and you see Christmas decorations, like, oh shit, yeah, I guess, I guess that's a thing still. This is the first time I've thought about Oklahoma State at all. Like, like you know, I know they're there, but but, but they're five and oh, sure. 97th ranked strength of schedule. They have a 5.8 average margin of victory. Ooh. Both of those are the lowest of any unranked team or any uh, undefeated team and team in the top 15. I do think that um, I, Texas is at home, so I kind of want to lean towards that. The other one here, and I haven't even looked at the line. I probably should have since the whole segment. BYU coming off a loss because they were apparently in the top 10. Huh? Huh? Did not know that. At Baylor, Baylor's five and one. Baylor's like actually pretty good. Not bad, right? Yeah. So there's that. I I, I like Baylor, even though I don't know what the line is at all. So it's a very <laughs> bad pick, to be honest. <laughs> all right, man. Well, hey, look, we're gonna end the interview. But before we do, a um, little bit of breaking news you might have seen it on Chris's Same. social media today, which we did have a listener come to my defense because I it seemed like you were like playing up like, oh, let's get Tyler out of the way. We, doing we my job. Back yeah. To, yeah. Okay. Um, no, I'm not doing that at all. No, I know. Um, but you guys are do, you and, and when I say you guys, mm-hmm. you people. Uh, you and Connor are doing a reunion pod this week, so there will be no recap episode of specifically college football uncensored, but you will still get your weekly dose of Chris Marler. Yeah. Which is what you really well, I'm gonna dominate for. the whole thing. I'm gonna talk yeah. over him and around like all just nonstop, but just like like old times. Um yeah. no, it'll be you know, it's Kevin Duffy's idea. It's a it's a great idea. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm excited for it. Um, so that'll come out on Sunday. We did have one uh listener ask if that meant we were gonna get that pod an SDS pod and a cultural uncensored pod. And listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I love myself um, and love hearing myself talk a decent amount, but that's an unhealthy amount. So no, we're not going to have all of those pods. We're going to, yeah. we're not going to do that, but um, it should be a lot of fun. We'll still do something with the, maybe the voice you can release the same episode on the two different feeds. We're a thousand percent going to do that. We're actually going to yes. do what we said we were going to do for our podcast and promote it um, on that channel as well. Uh, there you go. Cool. So there's that. Anyway, um, but hey, but don't forget though. Right. Even though call there's in. no, even though there's no recap pod, you still got to call into the voicemail channel because yeah. look, it's been an unabashed success. Like awesome. people love the voicemail. Yeah. Um, four two four four three zero 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 four five. I think we can put enough effort in to at least have a all voicemail pod. Tyler, I'll I'll record a whole separate episode, a little fun episode with you on that. That'll be fun. Um, so yes, we're we, please still call in because it's going to be a wild weekend. We know there's going to be some upsets. There's going to be some yeah. upset fans this weekend, and oh, some no. happy ones too. So call us even if you're weeping. Um, even if you're weeping. So last thing I want to say is I want all of you to fucking listen to Uncle Chris right now. Okay, you know I hate cliches. You know I hate when people don't do their actual um, job of researching something. They just get mad for no reason. And I I've, I've been there before. I'm sure I was there today. Yeah, I mean, we don't we even know the line interview. of the BYU game. We picked it. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, I didn't do any research on that. That's a very, very bad example. But what I'll say is this. We have an interview with Danny Cannell. And I know there's going to be a lot of you that are probably just um, Already either mad. Florida fans or Joe Morrison. They're going to be like, well, not listening to that. Time to turn on classic rock radio so I can hear Skinner for the third time today. 
Danny Cannell is a, is one of the most underrated people I think in this business. He's such a nice dude, and we have a blast with him. We had a blast with him today. And he knows what he's talking about, too. That's the thing. And I just want like everyone maybe go like into this with like an open mind because it was a great interview. And he everything he said, he made a good point about. He might have said something maybe negative about your team. He said a lot of negative things about my team. But um, I shouldn't have to go to bat for Danny Cannell since he played in the NFL and has a much better life than me. But guys, give Danny Cannell a chance. He needs a break. Yeah. yeah, nothing's ever worked out for him in his life. So, mm-hmm. no. Nah. Um, fantastic interview. So, we will end the pod with Chris and I talking there. We'll move to the interview. I guess we do talk in the interview as well with Danny Canal. Fantastic oh, interview. Fantastic guy. Enjoy the interview, and we will see you next week. All right. We now welcome in one of our favorites from CBS Sports and SiriusXM. It's former Florida State quarterback, Danny Canal. Danny, thanks for joining us, man. What's going on, fellas? It's been a minute. It's good to catch up with you guys. Uh, you guys are looking good. Like things must be going all right because you guys are starting to blow up. We got technology now. You guys got nice sets to the you know, only guys are making me look bad. I love it. I feel like everything you just said is applicable to one of us, and it's probably not me. But um, but that's yeah, fine. I just we're, we're catching I was the looking at Tyler's set. Yeah. <laughs> hey, the curtains in the back work. They work just fine. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. It's a whole aesthetic <laughs> down here in this basement. So, um, no, I mean, Tyler, Tyler kind of undersold you. Um, there's, there's nothing I love more than a good troll. And I've been pissing off SEC fans all week. I don't know how, especially Georgia fans. So I had to bring on somebody to take more heat than me. So that's, I mean, that's the main reason we brought you on here and to talk FSU. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I think, so troll is something <laughs> I, I embrace. I embrace, I know it's kind of like insulting and yet I'm totally fully aware of I'm guilty of it. Right. Like it's, and I'm okay. Admitting that definitely always, I will admit this on social media more. So like if you had levels of trolldom, (laughs) I would say Twitter is like, I'm a 10 out of 10 on the scale. Yeah. yeah. And then probably on the radio, because there's three hours and I can kind of say something and then put it into context. Right. I'd say I'm probably like a seven. Then the cover three podcast, I'd say probably like a five. And then if you get me, in a suit and tie on CBS Sports Network's Friday night studio coverage, it goes down. And when I'm doing inside the SEC for the for the conference, then it's down to like a two. Now I'll still slip them in there every once in a while. They're very subtle, but there are definitely levels of my trolldom, which I I hopefully uh, you know kind of monitor those appropriately. But hopefully everybody knows it's all in fun, man. That's no, what, they yeah. don't. That's they what don't, they don't. don't. Oh, they definitely <laughs> no, they don't. don't. No, they no. Don't. are you? Are do you guys keep your DMs open? Yeah, I'm single yeah. now, so yeah, a thousand percent. That's all. It's not great. So either way, I've always kept them open. Just I kind of enjoy, and a lot of requests come through, mm-hmm. and like people can't get through that. So it is a disaster. Like I'm oh. talking disaster. The DMs. Sometimes I don't know if people know exactly what a DM is. And, you know, you get that drunk SEC fan at 1 a.m. after his team just lost. And it's they're coming in, firing on all cylinders. And it's just ugly. And the best part about it is I usually don't reply when it comes in. Maybe Sunday afternoon. Maybe they just got out of church, a little hungover. And I'll hit them back. And I'll be like, hey, man, you know, like, was that really necessary? And they'll be like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, it was just a rough night. We had a rough loss. But yeah. the best part about the last week oh, was I had a take a week ago and the narrative that was going around almost every studio show, every radio show and every podcast was Alabama and Georgia have separated themselves. 
And it was, they're in this class of their own. And I kept like pushing back saying, well, wait a second. I think they're the one and two teams without question, but I think they're beatable. And you would think that I said Georgia wouldn't win a 5A state championship, you know, and that Bama was dynasty was ending with well, the way people took that. And I thought it was going to take some time to play out. I was ready to die on that mountain, though, for the rest of the regular season. But I thought there was going to be a slip up. And then sure enough, what we saw unfold at College Station was the big, like quick, instant gratification of, see, I told you guys. And that's when... That's when the, like you talk about levels of trolldom, that's when it goes to 12 on a scale of 10. Like if something I say, which goes well, which is very, (laughs) not very often, I'm going to let them hear about it because all those DMs I've been peppered with, I'm going to go ahead and take it public. So yeah, it didn't take long for me to at least be proven right on that one. And that's all the time we have for Danny. We appreciate you stopping by, man. That was great. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, like you're not you're not wrong. First off, when you talk about like keeping the DMs open, we we took it a step further. Yeah, and we started a hotline that. on a Google, uh, like a Google, oh, like Google voice, voice yeah. account. Oh, so we let like, let people call in when they're drunk and leave voicemails, dude. It took two weeks for somebody to call in that we had to block because <laughs> if he's being so like personal and aggressive. This yeah. dude called back six more times that week, four more times the next week, which I don't know why Tyler didn't block the number before that. But this dude, talk about persistence. He then called after we blocked his number from a landline planet fitness at 1.38 in the morning, <laughs> like the next following week. It was incredible. Yeah. It was incredible. That's next level. That's yeah. next level. Yeah. So anyway, let's oh, talk about my sadness and, uh, and the Bama loss. Tyler, you, you can start. Actually, I don't even want to, I don't want to start with Bama because we always do that for Chris. Oh my God. That is not I even close talk- to being true. <laughs> so I heard you talking on your Cover 3 podcast about how the choke it doke. For those of you that don't know that game, 31 to 3, fourth quarter. What? deficit comeback I'm right just, chris doesn't want to talk about a yeah. game it's like 40 years ago right. it's like why are we bringing this up but you could put it in context yeah but it, it, you were talking about how it really gave you a renewed sense of confidence in yourself for the rest of your career at florida state and into the nfl question, yeah. and how a guy like dj at clemson he's he's only started what a handful of games in his career and he's just not there yet he's not used or clemson fans aren't used to seeing this kind of mediocrity out of an offense do you think the problem with Clemson right now, do you think it's a DJ problem or is there more to it for them? Oh, there's way more to it, you know, and, and I can relate probably more so than anybody in having massive expectations. Now, coverage, social media, you know, all that wasn't anywhere as big as it is now. And IL deals added some pressure to DJ. Um, but I had to fill in the shoes of Charlie Ward, who had just won Bobby Bowden's first national championship. He was Florida State's first Heisman Trophy winner. And then it was like, all right, here's Danny Cannell. Like, here we go. And the expectation was, let's go back to back. And the expectation for DJ and for CJ Stroud and for Bryce Young, all these young quarterbacks, has been step in, zero drop off, back to a title. For all of them. There's only one championship, right? Yeah. And there's only only one. You know, all these first-year starting quarterbacks. So... For DJ specifically, I don't think it's all DJ. I think the offensive line issues at Clemson have cli- finally reared their ugly head to where it's uh-oh because we've seen them rear their head in playoff games like last year against Ohio State. We've seen them rear their ugly heads in you know championship games at times against Alabama, um, but they've been masked by a Deshaun Watson who's incredibly mobile, who was one of the you know best quarterbacks they've seen in Clemson, and by Trevor Lawrence, number one overall pick, who escapability, talent, it's all off the charts, and it's 
okay, we can get by with the offensive line being the way it is, which is good for the ACC, but it's not good when it comes to championship level football. So it was funny because I was doing the radio show at the time with McElroy the day after Clemson got beat by Ohio State. And I was just like quickly, like during the show, I'm like, let me let me look this up because I was curious because their offensive line was getting a lot of criticism. I was like, let me look back historically at like what the problem is. So I went back 10 years and I looked at Ohio State, Bama, Oklahoma and Clemson. So four powerhouses that are all in the same category of teams. And Bama, see, Bama fans get upset about that. Like, oh, we're not in their class. We're in our class, which is true. But <laughs> but like, you know, powerhouse programs of the last decade who have constantly been winners. And Alabama had, I think, three. I don't have the. I, I broke the stats down and I lost them. But I think the I know point what you're remains. Say. I'm excited for this. I think Alabama had three first round NFL offensive linemen and then a slew of second, third, fourth yep. offensive linemen drafted. Ohio State, similar story. Oklahoma, similar story. Multiple draft picks, like a lot of draft picks. Clemson had zero first round offensive yep. linemen. And I think it was only two or three offensive six. linemen. Six was it six in his in whole last, tenure? Yeah, in this in this Dabo Sweeney da- uh, era, and like I think the highest was Simpson. I think he was a second rounder. And it's not like the NFL is littered with Clemson offensive linemen. Right. So I was like, oh, that's a trend that's pretty interesting. But if you think about it, there's only so many scholarships you can give out, right? And I know some people cheat those more than others, <laughs> but Clemson has had wide receiver talent drafted, quarterback talent drafted, defensive line talent all over the field. They've had littered with NFL talent. So they have used more of their high profile scholarship spots for those positions. And it's worked, but I think it's finally starting to catch up for them that they haven't gone after as many four and five star offensive linemen. Like we see Brian Brzee, you see all this defensive talent, five star best players in the country. You don't see the same on the offensive side of the ball. So I think it caught up to Clemson there. That's one issue. Tony Elliott's scheme, Clemson's scheme, I think it's been very stagnant over the last five or six years. Again, something else masked by Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson. And if you keep calling the same plays, eventually teams are going to have a response to that. They've been responding to that. And then the third thing is DJ is young. Like he hasn't played that much. And I think we got way ahead of ourselves based on one game, which is understandable. He was awesome against Notre Dame, uh, you know, in that loss, 400 yards and three touchdowns. It was the game we all talked about coming into the season. But I think our expectations were way too, you know, they were off the charts for somebody who we really hadn't seen play that much. And then it's this perfect storm. They play against Georgia's defense, which is awesome. And then, you know, we've seen the problems develop. I think it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. Like it's similar to when Alabama loses or has a rough patch. I don't think the Dyna, you know, I don't think Clemson Dabo's done, but I think it'll be interesting to see how quickly they get back. How do they respond this season? Because I think in 2021, more so than ever in, you know, in college sports, it's harder to keep players motivated, invested, fighting for whatever crappy bowl they're going to end up in. You know, like mm-hmm. before, like when I was playing, if we lost, it was okay. Let's try to get to the Orange Bowl. Like, hey, we're gonna, we can still win the. We can still go to a major bowl, and there wasn't a playoff, and we still kind of were in the playoff conversation. That you could sell that for a long time, and players would be like, yeah, let's go to a better bowl. We'll get better gifts, and we'll have a better trip. We'll go to a warmer climate. All of that. Players now, especially at the top tier schools, they're used to playing for the playoff, and if they don't, 
it's good luck trying to keep their focus and motivation mm-hmm. and determination the same. And we've seen this over and over at some of these high profile schools. Okay. First off, apologize really to long, Tyler. Cause that was a good question. That's my bad. Um, that was good. good question. Second off, I feel that I was like, obviously animated during that because I looked up that same stat and I'm so glad that somebody that's actually a professional brought this up because when I did it and I brought it up on Clemson, the amount of Clemson fans that overreacted to it because I, I had to look like look it up three separate times to make sure I was right. Because six total offensive linemen just seems crazy. Yep. I mean, it's, no it is. Runners. It is. Yeah. So, yeah. They need to address it in recruiting. I mean, all, right. all of college football is about talent acquisition. Like it's who has the most talent. And if you have a problem there, especially now, and I, I don't, don't know if how deep you guys want to go into this, but Dabo's, do you know the other stat that has been really talked about the last couple of weeks? Do you know how many transfers Dabo has taken in? Like he, a lot, oh. a, a few have left. Yeah, not many. But right? you know, we've seen transfer. We've seen transfer policy really become mm-hmm. prevalent across college football. Do you know how many uh, transfers Dabo has recruited and taken in and put on scholarship? Mm-hmm. I can't think of any. Zero. Really. Yeah. And I think. I mean, I. I'm, I don't think. I mean, I kind of know, but I think I know why. Dabo is old school. Remember the whole, I don't want professionals. Yeah. I don't think he wants them. And I I don't think he has wanted them because, and this to be full disclosure, this is how I would have felt up till probably six or seven years ago. Mm -hmm. Why do I want a quitter? Why do I want somebody who bails on their team? That's not a good teammate if he leaves that school. But I think by necessity and, and really, if you're a good coach, like you're, you're putting your hands tied behind your back if you're not taking advantage of the transfer portal and yeah. actually actively going out and trying to get players. And I also think like the times have changed. Like I think, you know, I, and there's every situation is different and players transfer for different reasons. And I think that could be one of the quickest fi- fixes for Clemson is to go to the transfer portal this offseason and say, all right, we need to see what the best offensive lineman on the transfer market. Let's get them in here because they could get them. But Dabo's got to kind of let go of some of that Oh, I yeah. wonder how this this is this guy going to buy in? Is he going to leave us? Is he going to quit us and transform us if he doesn't start? Which I understand, but you have to evolve with the times. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I mean, you're, I feel like you're spot on with all that. Um, that's going to have to be a, enough Clemson content since the SEC yeah. Yeah, exactly. technically pays our bills. They're all um, pissed but, off right now. <laughs> no, but it's all really good points. And and he brought that up. It was, it's relevant because he was talking about it this week. But we got to talk about. Um, the the national i would say blank storm that you caused um and i know sat back and which smiled about and we and we re- <laughs> which one? um and we referenced it earlier but making the comment that georgia and, and bama were beatable and it obviously half of it came out to be true so just taking you through like our thoughts on what we've discussed in the pod like i still think that those those might be the two best teams in the country maybe ohio state maybe see a team like that oklahoma i don't think is is as good or anywhere close to being as good as as they were touted to be preseason. I mean, from what I've seen, just in general, they have the lowest. Uh, their strength of schedule wasn't great. They have the lowest average margin of victory out of any of the contenders in, like, um, what do you call it? In the college football playoff, I guess, top 12. Um, so that combination of things, I, I just don't think are, are that. They haven't had a really an impressive win besides this one, and they were getting trounced for most of that game. Mm-hmm. That's totally fair. And I would, I would agree. I was just curious to see where you were going to go with that. But here's where I do think. We often write off teams way too early. And I yep. think there are two that we probably wrote off too early. And what's crazy is one of them is still undefeated in Oklahoma, right? Okay. Because 
while Spencer Rattler, who I was very much in question of as a Heisman candidate, yep. national championship winning quarterback, like I've been, I don't want to like say, hey, toot my own horn, but I've been on the Caleb Williams should be playing and starting since the two lane game. Like I'm just not, I don't, it's hard for me. Did you guys watch QB1? Do you guys watch that? Yeah, show that, on Netflix? that ruined it for all of us. And like, yeah. and I know you'd want to give person like people time to mature and develop, but it's just, it's really hard for me to get past that. And I think it spoke volumes about the way mm-hmm. the team responded when Caleb Williams was in there, the way Spencer Rand- Rattler's handled it to this point. And there have been two guys that really, because I get like some guys are immature, you understand it. Right. There have been two guys that really were like, ee, it was like fingernails on a chalkboard. Like, yeah. this is rough. Tate Martell, who yeah. the history speaks for itself. And Spencer Rattler was kind of in the same category. And last year when he's, you know, he started off rough, but then he starts fixing things. I'm like, all right, maybe he's matured. Maybe he's handling himself better. But just some of the things that he says and happens there, I just wonder what type of leader he is and how the team will respond to him. So back to Oklahoma, there he still was struggling this year, offensive line struggling, but the defense was actually holding their weight, carrying their water, keeping them in games, allowing them to beat, you know, win ugly, which is good. And now with Caleb Williams, who I am all in on as a five-star, you see this offense all of a sudden open up to where Oklahoma's offense is supposed to look. So why, like Oklahoma, like we never allow teams to improve. Like they might have not looked like a playoff-worthy team the first four games, but I'm really curious to see what they look like this next stretch in the final six games. How does Oklahoma look like where if they can pair – the offense with a typical Oklahoma offense and maybe even a different dynamic with Caleb Williams running a little more aggressively and a defense that's a, maybe the best that Lincoln Riley's had. I know it's hard to say that after they just gave up all those yards to right. Texas, but it's the big 12. Like that stuff happens. I mean, Alabama just gave up 41 too. So none, all right, Danny, just, we don't talk about that. Zach Calzada. Um, but like <laughs> so they could, they could, they could, maybe they'll get better. Ohio state getting better since they made change at Kerry Coombs, yeah. defensive coordinator. So that's that's where I kind of look at. We write off teams a little bit right. too early. And, you know, and my big thing on Bama and Georgia was Bama. Like we talked about them like we forgot about what happened in Gainesville. OK, like if they're unbeatable, they don't eke out a win in Gainesville. I don't. So I don't disagree with any of that. But what I was going to say before even you brought that up was what I was thinking was I think that's totally Totally accurate. And I've said since that game, Bama was not the best team in the country. Before the season, I thought they'd lose one to two games and take a step back, especially with what they lost. But what cracks me up about this is that those are the two games everyone wants to talk about with, with some good reason. But we're acting also like we didn't just watch the week before. Like, And this is primarily Bama fans that want Pete Golden gone. He's the awful and he's this is the worst team ever that under Saban. They just shut down the best offense in the country, statistically, yeah. in Ole Miss. And, and held Lane to his lowest total points, rushing yards, total yards, all that kind of stuff. The Heisman Trophy front runner, the like they were up 28 at the half. And yep. so like the, the lack of any kind of like, I don't know, um, calm, measured responses from fans in general always cracks me up. But I still think I think you're spot on with with all, like, you know, every other part. And like there were a lot of I I don't know if they got exposed, but there were a lot of uh, cracks, the thing in the foundation that you said in Gainesville. I, I gotta ask, you know, since you said both teams are beatable. Tell me how to beat Georgia. Okay. Let me, let me say one thing real quick on Alabama. Because yeah. uh, here's what I think. And this is why I actually thought Alabama was going to boat race Ole Miss. 
that was an entire offseason they spent. And all we heard last year was, oh, who had the best game against mm-hmm. Alabama? Look at all those points uh, Ole Miss put up. And I think Saban has been working with a defense and they've been coming up with a plan how to stop these high-flying, you know, passing attacks, throw the ball vertically down the field, go up tempo, and it worked awesome against Ole Miss. But now, where I think is an issue, and you tell me if you uh, agree or disagree, Chris, is the defensive line, which, again, you talk about recruiting, how where the talent yeah. goes, and now they have five stars all over the place. But I do feel the defensive line specifically is maybe a little bit suspect, which was revealed yeah. in the Florida game mm-hmm. where they don't typically get pushed around up front. And Florida was able to run the football, and which to me was the most surprising thing. And then you saw against Texas A&M, they were able to run a little bit, but against a bigger offensive line that's able to protect just a little bit longer. You know, Zach Calzada all of a sudden uh, carving him up with a little bit more a traditional offense, not the high-flying you know, no huddle, spread the right. field type vism because Jimbo is more pro style. So I think it'll be interesting because you look at, like, I think Bama's going to run the table, but like, I'm really curious to see, like, what they respond with and if the defense, if anybody else can exploit the right. defensive line the way that Texas A&M and Florida could. Now I don't. Maybe that doesn't exist. I don't like Arkansas. I'm still not bought in. Auburn still very much a crapshoot. They probably I'm went out. The opponents but, well, right. So with Georgia, so here's my thing on Georgia, and I've been trying to tell every Georgia fan like this. First of all, I've always had them two, and mm-hmm. now I have them one. So this isn't like a just troll, like I'm going to keep Iowa ahead of them. Like, no, right. I think Georgia's the best team in <laughs> oh, the country boy. right now. But the schedule, and it's so eerily familiar to like circa 2013, 14, 15 with Alabama, mm-hmm. when I had the same it's – it's criticism, but it's more of a question of – You've got the defense to win a championship. Do you have the offense to do it? And do you have the quarterback to do it? So that's been my thing with Georgia. Now, here's the thing. I don't think, like, the schedule, I think they're going to boat race Kentucky this weekend. Like, I think playing 22 and a half is probably the lock of the century. Like, just go ahead and lay it. It's in Athens. Like, they're going to be dialed in. Florida, I, I don't think their quarterback, like, they might be able to, like, that take the under. Like, lock it. Like, I think those two, I think it'll be a typical, like, Five years ago, Florida-Georgia game where it's just mm-hmm. ugly. Because I think Florida's defense might be able to slow them down. But at some point, and I don't think it's in the regular season, they just don't have a team. Tennessee's getting interesting, but I, mm-hmm. it's in Knoxville. It could be interesting if they get a couple lucky long touchdowns. But at some point, like in, in a playoff or in a championship game, if Alabama figures it out, some team is going to score 28. You know, And that's not a lot, but you don't see teams – in 2021, with the style of football, with the quarterback play, with the skill set on the outside, you don't see teams winning championships. They can win regular season, a national championship with just defense. Like you've right. got to be balanced. And like, I don't, what the heck is like, is JT Daniels, is he going to be hurt every other week? Like, what is wrong with him? And Stetson Bennett's been awesome. And I think there's maybe a decision to make for Kirby. I, I'm pretty sure he's going to go back to JT as soon as he's healthy. But at some point, the team is starting to respond to Stetson Bennett, and you need continuity. You need to be building mm-hmm. confidence, which they should as soon as JT Daniels gets back because, again, the schedule is easy. But from what we've seen of JT Daniels against the better opponents, yeah. which haven't been many that he started last year against Cincinnati, threw for a lot of yards, but he wasn't great. This year against Clemson, looked very average. That's Clemson's defense. But that's going to be the type of defense he's going to face in a championship setting. How does he do there? I don't know. 
So like, that's my thing with Georgia is I just think that somebody could get them if they don't grow offensively and grow more confidence and all the, they've done all the right things. Like Todd Munkin hire was great. We've seen them go for 300 yards. The first, you know, like um, uh, Jake Fromm only had like two or three, 300 yards passing games in his career. And we've already seen JT Daniels have several and Stetson Bennett. So like they're doing the right things, but Mm -hmm. the teams they're doing it against aren't there, aren't what they're going to face to win ultimately what their goal is and should be as a national title. All right, we're going to let Tyler close you out. This, I just got to give you credit for this, man, because everything you've said is accurate and fair. And this is, I just, I hope, I hope our listeners understand it because it's not anything negative about these teams. It's all like objective research stuff. So I, I appreciate you coming on here and, and, and uh, you know, dogging my team. I hope so. Good reason. But all, yeah. And I hope like every SEC fan, no matter how much you hate me, like understand a lot of it's for fun. Like I just yeah. like talking trash. I've told you that before, Chris, you know that. Yeah. And like, if we were at a bar having a beer, we would probably get heated and I would take some jabs at you, but it would be in fun. Like hopefully <laughs> right. you would see a smile on my face and we would enjoy the game together, whoever was playing, you know, and just enjoy it. You know, like that's, yeah. I love college football. I'm passionate about it. And I love the fans and I understand why they get angry. Right. Well, we got Tyler. We're going to have some fun. Yeah. I was going to ask you another question, but it's, we, we probably are going to run out of time. So we'll do the Go two on, minutes. We can squeeze in one more. I do have date night. I'm like, I know, hitting, I know. my wife's Let's, like peeking her head in. She's all I know. nice. I know. The my hat. I, know the how I, I don't know how you guys do. If you have date nights or significant others, she likes to get really dressed up. She looks phenomenal when she gets dressed up. I'm more of a, like now that you kind of like I'm married, like I don't, who am I? Who do I have to impress? <laughs> right. I'm more like, let me just throw on a hat, babe. Like we'll just go find something to eat. So I, I'm like good. It. All right, so the two-minute drill is going to start with some Florida State-specific questions, and then we okay. get into some some other stuff. All right, how many championships if Randy Moss is eligible to play uh, and then kicked off the team? If he's not kicked off the team? For me, like I, for Florida State, I mean, yeah. I, I would say my senior year, we 100% would have won the national championship. And then after I left, he would have had one more year of eligibility. He was that much of a difference maker. Best guy I ever threw to. Like in no, and I probably would have won a Heisman Trophy because I would have had probably 60 touchdowns and 20 of them would have been to him if he didn't that. win it. I don't know if you keep up. Do you keep up with Florida State's recruiting at all? Not a super into recruiting, but I am aware of what Mike Norvell is doing. All right. How much money would you be willing to donate to a keep Travis Hunter committed to Florida State NIL <laughs> fund? Okay. I am aware of Travis Hunter. And I've actually <laughs> talked to a couple guys about this. Like, hey, are we worried that yeah. you lose a guy like Travis Hunter because of the lack of success? The dude seems like he's all in. Like he yeah. is he is all in. He's all Florida State. He loves the program, but you still kind of like keep an eye on it. To uh-huh. I would start a I would start some sort of NIL fund, which a lot of schools are actually. <laughs> yes. Just to make sure Travis Hunter gets there for sure. Absolutely. Uh, pot bellies or Kins? Uh, see, I'm a pop, pop bellies was newer when I was there, so I'm a Kens guy. Okay. Uh, Gordos or Jim and Milts? Uh, again, I'm a little bit older. I'm dating myself. <laughs> Jimmy Milts, Jimmy Milts, I went to almost every weekend for breakfast. Like at some point, it was right down from Burt Reynolds Hall. We went there all the time. So good. Uh, Charlie or Jameis? Uh, I'm I'm preferential to my guy Charlie. Both were insane. I think Charlie is one of the most underrated college quarterbacks of all time. What he did, and because he didn't play in the NFL and went basketball, I think the NFL missed out on what it, maybe what would have been a transcendent talent in the NFL if they would have embraced his style of play. Like if, he, yeah. if Charlie Ward was in 2018, 2015, when they started to change and embrace, he could have been a Hall of Famer in the NFL. All right, and I know we're up against it, so this is the last question. I already know the answer. Was work done in? 
Oh my goodness. He was in like, it wasn't even close. Like it was <laughs> Virginia Thursday night direct oh, that. to work <laughs> in 100%. His body kind of was like, but the ball was over and then it came back because he was securing it like ball security, but he absolutely crossed the plane. And like, oh. there was a couple things review came soon after that. And do you know why ties are no longer a thing? In college football. You can thank me for that one. Choke because, a dope, right? Yeah, the choke a dope. 31-31. The next year, I think, was the year was the either year or two. Like, the next rules cycle was after that game because it kind of screwed up things with uh, the bowls and championships. Year, and so yeah, they said, and thank goodness they did because I hated that game from the perspective of we couldn't keep playing and find out who actually won. Well, we, we got revenge later, right? Yeah. Fifth quarter and the French quarter worked out. That's all right. right. That's right, baby. <laughs> so I All had right. one question. I was gonna we're gonna do a trivia game. We are out of time. Um, and the only question I had, honestly, was sent into by a listener, and it was supposed to make fun of Florida State for having Go the, ahead. the Fire highest away. STD yeah. rate in the country. <laughs> but there's three SEC teams ahead of you guys. So once again, the SEC <laughs> hey. dominates. Absolutely. Um, no, DK, it's always a pleasure, man. You're the best. Uh, obviously, enjoy date night. We'll have to get you back on here soon and maybe close the DMs. <laughs> no, I can't. I'm addicted to the to the vitriol that comes in. Like it's it's the, it's the stuff that fuels me. Like I I like you know how I think it was uh who was the quarterback? It might I don't want I don't want to spark any controversy. <laughs> Do it. But Do I'm it. pretty sure it was Colin Kaepernick who used to put his oh, haters when he was a flare. Not not any of the <laughs> anthem stuff. There you go. Good luck to your good luck to your game <laughs> now. Just, just well, I think he was the one who said. He would like he would look at all his hate mail and he would look at all that on not about the anthem, but about his <laughs> playing quarterback and he would feed off that. That's what I do in my DMs. They yeah. fuel me every day to research more film and to make sure I can back up all my takes. Title of this pod is going to be Danny Cannell talks Callan Kaepernick, and we're just going to leave it at that. And see how it goes. Exactly. Hey, it'll all be right, your most thanks, downloaded brother. pod then if they do. That's right. <laughs> we'll have to do well, a we'll longer next time. Soon, man. You enjoyed day yeah, night. Yeah, thanks, we'll man. You then. All right. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it.